Welcome to the Black and Green Podcast, your go-to place to find the latest high-quality, all-natural products created by Black artisans. Hosted by yours truly, Dr. Kristen H., we'll discuss all things health, wellness, self-care, and self-love. We'll feature a refreshing lineup of guests, including entrepreneurs, artisans, holistic lifestylists, clean beauty experts, and a plethora of other innovators within the wellness industry. I hope that you join us for this amazing journey. Welcome back to the Black and Green Podcast. I hope that your weeks have been going well. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest, Nydia Norvell. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is my first um, podcast. Yay! We love being your first podcast. So the first question we're going to ask is how did you start your brand and kind of what was your big why behind why you needed to start it? Uh, this, part, this journey probably started about 2004, 2005. I um, always, I was living in New York. I, you know, the winters here are brutal. I always suffered from really dry skin, the dry, um, and I, nothing really worked you know, the, the mainstream kind of moisturizers just, or if they did work, they only, you know, lasted maybe like an hour or two. And then I was back to being dry again. So I, I had come up with a, a concoction that I um, <laughs> put together, um, mixing two different types of ingredients, which made left my skin very kind of oily and greasy, but it, it worked. And someone made a comment once and said, you know, what, what is this oil stick you always putting on your skin? And I was like, you know what, they're right. Why am I always like, you know, jumping through hoops to try to find something to moisturize my skin? Maybe I can make something. So um, on a whim, I just turned over a bottle of moisturizer and started kind of Googling um, some of the ingredients they were using just to get an idea of what was, what was being used. And I was quite shocked and um, turned off at some of the ingredients that were being used. That a lot of them was just fillers. A lot of them were like banned in the UK or in Europe, but we're still using it here in the in the US. And just some of them just didn't even provide provide any beneficial um, features or just for the skin. So um, when I did look for something that was a lot more natural, I either wasn't finding that much, or if I did find something. Um, it said it was natural, but when you really looked at it closely, it wasn't really, um, maybe 2% of the ingredients were actually natural and everything else was just the same old stuff. And so I, I was appalled. I feel like I was being, <laughs> all these years I've been, you know, you buy, you purchase these products that says naturally made and all the stuff on there and it, it really wasn't. So I, I, I set out on a quest to kind of make something myself. And so that's how that started. And I made my first product, which was a body butter, did a lot of research, research what I wanted to use, what I didn't want to use. And I, I used it on my skin and it worked wonders. And then I started giving it out to friends and families, my friends and family, and uh, they loved it too and were asking for more. So this was like right around the time where I think Whole Foods is kind of really taking off. And I was like, well, I can't be, the, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's looking for <laughs> these types of products. And I saw that there was like a void in the market. And I was like, maybe there's something here. And maybe, you know, there's other people out here that's looking for these ingredients or these kind of products. And so then I, you know, slowly but surely kind of developed a, a, a small line. 
that I, I launched in like 2005 and did it for about a couple of years. And that original brand gave birth to what you see today, which is Choiselle. I think a lot of our artisans kind of start in that same way where they are having a problem, they can't find a solution on the marketplace, they start making their own things. A lot of folks start off making butters. And then from butters, you kind of grow into other areas. So how did you grow from making your own butter to making your candles? And can you talk about your candles a little bit? Yeah, I can. Um, well, I, I know everyone have different uh, different types of skin. So what the, a body butter is probably something that works great for me because I have really dry skin, but might not be the perfect product with some, with for someone that has maybe something a little bit oilier skin or combination skin. So that's how I kind of progressed and did some of the other products. I came across the candles because it was just it was a fun project to make. I, I've been wanting to make. I love candles. Um, I love the ambiance that it can create. It can, you know, especially after a long week of work, you can kind of come home and just kind of light a candle and relax and soothing. And so I, you know, um, I stumbled upon this coconut wax. So as you probably already know, the Schwazelle is inspired by the Caribbean island of St. Lucia, my childhood there. So, you know, there's soy waxes, there's different types of waxes. The soy, soy waxes are probably the most popular, but when I saw this coconut wax made from coconut oil, I was like, wow, this is like, I think this is right in line of, you know, the ethos of my brand. Come to find out the coconut wax candles burns a lot cleaner, a lot longer than soy. And um, I just thought it would, I thought this is perfect. <laughs> I want to make candles and what better way of kind of having sticking to that Caribbean theme is using coconut wax candles. Um, one of my, one of the things, memories, earliest memories is just growing up in the Caribbean and watching my grandmother um, make coconut wax from scratch. Oh, I'm sorry, make coconut oil from scratch. And I was, you know, maybe five years old, perched on, in a, on a bench in the, in the kitchen. And again, these are the types of inspiration. These are the types of things, the lifestyle down there, how we kind of, pull from nature the things that we need for food and to um, take care of our bodies and things like that was you know it, it, it just felt like a, t a perfect match and the coconut wax candles are, are doing great they're quite popular and I just love the fact that they last so much longer oh that's awesome so you say they burn cleaner what do you mean by that well usually with candles if you notice some of the candles depending on what brand you have you know, if you burn them, they'll be like, a, you'll see the soot developing in the jar, or you might see it on your ceiling or on your walls. Um, but the coconut wax candle, I can burn the entire jar, and it looks like how it looked before it was burned, and to the point where you can just probably wash it out and reuse it. Um, there's no buildup, that dark ring or that soot that you see on the walls of the candle jar. There's nothing on the ceiling. There's nothing on the walls, which is really important because if you're, um, if it's, especially if you're sensitive with asthma and those and allergies and things like that, you have to be careful of what you're inhaling and what you're burning in your house. Oh, that's awesome. And then you also mentioned the burn time. So you say it burns longer. So, you know, what size candle, uh, I believe it's a, is it an eight ounce or is it a six? It's an eight ounce and I clocked it in at 40 hours. How many hours? 40 hours. Wow, that's like double the traditional eight ounce candle, isn't it? Yep. Wow, that's amazing. 
That's absolutely amazing. So that's one of the, the things is, you know, a lot of times we talk about the cost um, to value ratio. And, um, you know, a lot of times when people are trying to assess the value of something, they just look at the price, but they don't take into account the quality. So I think it's really interesting because the price points of your candles are a little bit higher than the average. But if it's burning twice that of your typical candle, then you're almost getting two candles for the price of one. Exactly. And I'm very particular about the ingredients I use. I, the coconut wax is an organic coconut wax. Um, all of my products, I, I try to find top of the line ingredients um, to use because I feel like it's important. You know, just, just as it's important on what, what you put into your body, it's important what you put onto your skin. And in, in, in terms of the candles, what you're inhaling. So I only use essential oils, which is plant. Um, they're all certified organic um, essential oils. And again, the coconut wax, coconut wax is also organic. Um, I think anyone that could take a look at the, the product, um, no quality in terms of the ingredients, and just not just the aesthetics, but the ingredients as well, you can tell that this is something that's worth that kind of price, in my opinion. No, I, I completely agree with you. So um, how have you been able to teach people the value of your products. We have a lot of people listening who may be entrepreneurs and they're trying to set prices. Um, and when you're pricing high and you're a luxury good, you have to make sure that you can communicate that luxury to your consumers. How do you communicate that to them? I, like I said, just the one look at the packaging, the quality of the packaging, the design, the labels alone tells you this is something like higher end. Um, I also try to, in my blog, on my website, I try to talk about ingredients. Um, and then also just on my Instagram page, I talk about like the importance of, which is, I always mention, you know, organically made, handcrafted, slow, you know, smaller batches. All these things take a lot of time. You know, we're not in a huge factory where we can spit out, you know, a million pieces a day with like automated machines. This is something that it's a labor of love for me. I take my time. I pour every candle. I cut each wick. I slap on each label, you know, so it's, it's, it's not just, it's the quality and then also like the craftsmanship and the time that it takes to make these small batch hand, handmade candles. And, um, like I said, it's usually not a tough sell. I like, I, you know, most people they can take a look at it and say, "Oh yeah, this is definitely worth it," and it's not even an argument. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I definitely think that um, when you want nicer things, you have to invest in them. And particularly when we're talking about these ingredients, higher quality organic ingredients, organic essential oils, just cost more money. Um, then if you get kind of a mass produced factory produced product. And so I think that that's a kind of a really important distinction in your life. Can you give us some tips of how have you incorporated wellness and kind of being more mindful about the ingredients in your products of things that you're putting on your skin or eating in general? Uh, for what, well, for me, wellness is, I, I, I don't subscribe to the idea of just working, 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 working. You gotta work hard. Like you have to work hard. Yes. But working until the, to the point of exhaustion, just to, you know, make it in this world. I do believe in, um, if your body is telling you, you need to take a rest, even if it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, me, to me, sleeping and getting proper rest is very important. Um, the whole no sleep, you know, 
you know, just working around the clock idea is just not my, it's not my philosophy. I do believe one should work hard, but I also believe that the importance of resting. So that's one of the things I try to um, incorporate in my life. <clears throat> and as an entrepreneur, you kind of have a little bit more flexibility. So if in the middle of the day, I, you know, feel like, you know what, this is exhausting. I need to take a 10 minute nap. I want to stop and take a 10, 10 minute nap if I don't have anything pressing. And then I'll get back to work and maybe work into the you know, evening. And I also say just like, you need to have balance. Like one shouldn't just be all about work and no play. I think there should be balance between working, playing, spending time with your friends, your family. So those are like the little things that I just try to incorporate in my life. So it's just a lot more balanced. Those are the things I think keep you mentally healthy as well too. That's awesome. That's really wonderful. I mean, I think that as a lot of people are trying to find a better balance or kind of incorporate healthy living, what is like one tip that you would tell somebody that's trying to start? Like what's something easy that they can do or something that's really impactful that you have found to be, to be useful that you've done? In terms of eating or just in general? In general. So whatever, you know, you feel like is like, oh, this is the, when I started doing this, I was really able to change my habits. Um, I would probably say, uh, hmm, that's a, there's so many. Um, I would probably say, um, I think it's important to find time, a quiet time, because we're so busy, um, kind of finding a quiet time to either meditate or pray or just kind of mm. be with yourself. Um, I know a lot of times with women, especially, we have so much going on. You know, we have the, the career, we have the kids, we have the marriage, we have this, we're balancing so many things. And I just think it's time. It's, it's important, even if it's 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to just kind of pull away and just be still. Um, I think it kind of, it centers you a lot better. And whatever challenges you have throughout your day, you can kind of attack them with a clearer mindset and just kind of, you're just more centered. So yeah. that's one, something I would, I would always suggest, especially to a busy woman, to just, if it's in the morning, right, right when you wake up, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just be still. Yeah. And then go and attack your day. <laughs> yeah. I know it's easier said than done, but I find that the days that I do that is when I am usually um, have more energy and I have a clearer head and I'm able to kind of attack things, all my different tasks and things to do lists and et cetera, a lot better in a healthier way too. Thanks to our artisan for joining us. And now to our moment of meditation with Dr. Crystal Jones. So whether you're listening to this podcast as you're walking down the street or in your car, in your home or in your bed, just want you to find a comfortable position where you can relax and take focus on what's happening right now. And as we do this, I want you to focus on your breath, focusing on the fact that your answers are always in your breath. Feeling your breath, not judging it, but experiencing what it feels like. If you're able to, you can close your eyes. If not, just to keep your focus. Notice where your breath is racing through, 
where are you trying to meet so many deadlines in life? Notice where your breath is moving in the same cycle or feeling stuck. Where are you in destructive cycles in life? Where are you not changing the script, but only changing the characters in the play? Just take a moment and notice what your breath feels like and how it relates to your life. Deep breath in. And as you exhale, let everything go that's not serving you. Reminding yourself that you can keep anything that you want to keep. You can let go of anything you want to let go of. But honoring your truth in this breath. As you're breathing in, you're creating. As you're breathing out, you're creating space for what it is that you desire. Little by little, letting go of what's not serving you and honoring the spaces that ask you to hold on at this moment, taking your time and being present. Continue in this breath until you feel like you've let go of everything that's standing in the way of creating what you desire. And as you feel like you've let everything go, Bring the awareness back into your body. I hope that you enjoyed the meditation with Dr. Crystal. Sometimes we all need a reminder to just stop and take a break, stop and clear our minds, stop and be present. But now we're gonna hop back into the conversation with our artisan. I want to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, you kind of talked about the genesis of your brand being from a need. What's your background? Do you still work a full-time job? Is this something that you do on the side? Can you just kind of, you know, let us, give us all the behind the scenes? Um, well, I was working full-time for about three years. Um, I found that, in my opinion, I find that for me, I mean, other people could be different, but I, I find that um, in order for me to really kind of to see this grow and to become what it needs to be, I needed to focus on it full time. So um, as of September of last year, I've been doing this full time. It was, um, yeah. Um, my background in terms of I, you know, just went to school, studied business. I always had an eye, I always had an interest and a love for entrepreneurs, small business, women entrepreneurs. Um, so it's always something that I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know if, I didn't know I was gonna end up in skincare, <laughs> but um, it's definitely, it's definitely my, a love of, just anything entrepreneurship is a love for me. Um, but um, yeah, I, I taught myself a lot of, formulations and things about the beauty business pretty much self-taught um i did take some courses um i'm still taking courses actually on how to formulate and just all the background um stuff with running a business but the great thing about um this era i feel is that there's a lot of support out there for entrepreneurs you just have to know where to look for it mm. uh, your local town your local city 
Um, I know especially in New York City is very good with small business programs. There's grants, there's loans, there's classes um, on how to just do all the administrative things. So I've definitely taken advantage of those things and try to apply it in my business as well. And what have been some of your favorite programs or books or courses that you would recommend to somebody who's getting started? I, one of the, the best things I think I did was I, I took a, I believe it was 12 week, um, write your business plan class. Um, I mean, we all, you know, if you come from a business background, you probably have a pretty much good idea of how to write one and what it should entail, but it could be very overwhelming to tackle <laughs> on your own. And there was a, uh, this was years ago, they offered a business plan class in New York, um, 12 weeks and each week you were to do a one section and then you talked about it. And then at the end, or they go over the section and you, you know, next week you will come back and, you know, show, submit your work and talk about it and et cetera. And um, at the end, if you were to stay on target, which most people did, I mean, it forces you to kind of um, stay on target. And at the end of the course, you have pretty much a fully written business plan. And then you're able to present it and get some feedback. So for me, I think that was one of the most important things because you, you can't, you know, you can have everything in your head, but if you're not able to, certain things, if you see it on paper, it makes you think about aspects of your business that you wouldn't think about if you just have everything in your head. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious in the programs that you were a part of or the books that you're reading or either expert advice that you got. Did you get advice on whether or not you should put your picture on your website as a black woman? And what advice did you get and kind of what did you ultimately decide? And the very, that's a very good question. In the very, very beginning, I had a, um, I think there were, there were friends and acquaintances that mentioned um, that I probably shouldn't. Um, again, this was, you know, maybe circa 2004, 2005, 2006, maybe. Uh, it was probably more 2004, 2005. I was, you know, it was recommended that I didn't, that um, no one, you know, of other races are going to buy from black you know beauty products from a black woman um or i should have some sort of dummy almost like a a dummy <laughs> you know put a picture of someone else up there or just not put a picture up there at all or make it seem like i'm just an employee not the owner kind of thing i've even heard stories at a very um notable high-end department store in new york i had a friend that worked in the cosmetics department and she even mentioned that um, a particular guy um, that was had a, his line in there was, so, I'm not quite sure what he was selling, but he made a point to make it seem like he was the employee and that the owners were away on vacation mm. because he thought that the clientele that was coming there, which was very, you know, luxury, very, um, you know, disposable income type of, folks, high disposable income, you know, type of folks wouldn't buy from him because of, you know, what he looked like. And I, that's, 
you know, I thought about it. I considered it. The thought about it, the, uh, the aspect of it made me quite angry <laughs> that mm -hmm. one would have to even do that. And ultimately, I decided that I was going to put my name um, and my face on it anyway. Mm. Just because I said, you know, I, I can't hide who I am. And the tides were changing. You know, we were going more into social media, Instagram, Facebook. People want to see the face. People want to know who's behind the brand. Yeah. I think maybe in the back in the day, you could probably get away a little bit more with doing that, but not so much. You know, they like to see the personality with the brand. So when it was all said and done, I said, Hey, I don't want to do that. Cause it just felt very um, disingenuous. B I, as a black woman, I, I think it's sad that one would have to do that and C with social media nowadays, I don't think it's even really possible. So, um, it's not something I think about anymore. Like I said, that was like the very beginning. Um, I think the world and tides are changing. If you have a great brand, if you have a great product, and that's what I'm selling, you know, um, people will buy regardless of what you look like. Mm. Who is your biggest supporter? Do you find that you're, that, you know, black women, is it white women, is it men? Kind of like, what's your key demographic that you've seen over the, the years? I always wanted to target every, not everyone, but I never wanted to be uh, based on a race. Um, I like to talk to women and help women in general. I think overall I get a little bit of both. I think I get, I get, it's probably half and half. Okay. Um, men, black women, white women. Um, and then the men actually really support my brand as well. I think they're just um, impressed <laughs> of what's, what I'm doing and just want to support. And a lot of them have come back to me and said, oh my gosh, I actually, at first, you know, I bought your brand just to support, but I actually really like your product too. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, so I, you know, I, I think the woman that I like to target is just someone that's very cognitive about her health or cognitive about what she's putting on her skin, um, eating well, living well, sustainability, nice lives, you know, that kind of um, demographics. I don't really narrow it down to black or white. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all women and we all want to look our best. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, that's interesting. So even despite the fact of kind of having your picture on your website, you haven't seen that deterring uh, folks from supporting, which I think is a really good, you know, way to start changing that narrative that Black entrepreneurs have to hide that they're Black. Yeah, I, I you know, I actually just saw something on, I don't know who posted it, but I did see something about that on social media. and I. I, you know, I think we, we definitely need to change that narrative. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, we buy from whoever, <laughs> don't we? So why can't it be reciprocated? And like, mm -hmm. if you have a great product, great customer service, I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, the ones that are, don't want to buy from you because of the color of your skin, hey, I mean, that's, that's their loss. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, you don't get the benefits of my amazing product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we talked about um, kind of your creation of your brand. What I'm hearing is unique is that you have been an entrepreneur for a really long time. Can you tell me about one of your biggest challenges? Entrepreneurship for me, I think it's more of a head game um, in a sense of just 
you're, you're doing something that's kind of out of the, it, you're not walking down, you know, the path, the path most traveled, um, you know, the average person, you know, we've been taught, you know, you go to school, you get an education, you work a job, you work till you're 65 and you retire. And that's like typically the narrative. So when you kind of go against that or do something different or opposite, I don't always feel like people always understand that. So it's very important to surround yourself with like-minded individuals or individuals that truly, really and truly understand where you're, where you are with that and where, where you're coming from. So um, that, and also just, not, just keeping, you know, you're going to have, it's, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride. I mean, you, you're going to have moments where you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. This is, I'm a genius. This is awesome. <laughs> this is great. To moments where you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is nuts. Like why, like, <laughs> why am I doing this? Like, I think you just have to have people around you. Make sure you have people around you to keep you stable and kind of, you know, keep you encouraged during those times where you're not feeling that great about what you're doing because there's so many things against you. Um, mm. It's so much easier in, in some senses just to go and work with somebody else and <laughs> collect that paycheck every two weeks or whatever and, you know, go about your merry way. It's a lot more work than just working with someone else. Um, you're a master of all trades. You're a jack of all trades but master of none, essentially. Um, and it's just just trying to keep your head in the game and just stay positive because it can really beat you up if you if you go down that that spiral. <laughs> Did you notice that your friend circle had to change um, during your entrepreneurial journey? Um, I wouldn't say the. I wouldn't say had to necessarily change i would say maybe certain friends with certain things okay okay um you know i know that i can call xyz and talk about what's going on with my brand what i'm what issues and problems i'm facing but i couldn't call necessarily call this person because they really don't really get it they may be supportive but they don't really get it or they might not necessarily understand <laughs> fully understand so it's just i i wouldn't say change just knowing who is that person that you can come to and talk to for for issues regarding your brand or who you need to talk to about you know everyday you know, girly issues <laughs> that's really good advice it's sort of yeah. knowing and, and and making sure someone who doesn't have sort of that background you don't ask them for their advice and then you frustrate it when it's not helpful so yeah. um, I think that's really smart is kind of having some discernment about who is an advisor and for your business and for your brand and who isn't. So I think that that's really smart. Yeah. And, and you can't be upset. And, and just because someone may not necessarily be a good advisor for your brand, doesn't mean it makes them a bad person. It's mm. just, it's just neat. Like I said, different, different people for different things. Yeah. It's so, sort of the same thing that um, I hear entrepreneurs sometimes um, complain about is that their friends and their family aren't supporting their business. And, mm -hmm. Sometimes I push back and I say, your friends and your family might not be your target demographic. So just because you know them and they're your friends doesn't necessarily mean that your product is catering to their needs. And so sometimes right. I think we have to separate that, that um, you, you want to find your true customers and not just have people support you because they know you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about your fabulous brand. I love your candles. Um, I have them, always have them lit and they, they just 
they fill a whole room. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yes. yes. <laughs> We're so excited to have them on the black and green platform. And if you haven't tried a coconut wax candle, you have to try it. You don't know what you're missing. Head over to www.blkgrn.com. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was great. This was actually really great. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of our journey and listening to the Black and Green podcast. Tune in next week when we feature another Black woman artisan who creates all natural products. You can buy products to support our artisans at blkgrn.com and check us out on all social media at blk and grn. Make sure you like and share our podcast with your friends. Until next time, buy Black and live green.